Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, this is the Grace for This City podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and scriptural strategies that will help you, friend, get out there and get some stuff done for Jesus. I'm telling you, he's calling you. He said, come on out here, get on the front lines with me. So I thank you for doing that because it is helping the whole team. Come on, all of us, we're working together. We may have individual assignments, but I'm telling you, as you are finishing your race and I'm finishing my race and millions of others are finishing their race, I'm telling you, we're working together with the Heavenly Father and we're getting some stuff done. These are phenomenal days, friends. So thank you for getting out there and getting some stuff done. Thank you for turning cities upside down. Hallelujah. And send us some testimonies. We want to know what God is doing in your area. We, we want to celebrate with you. All right, let's jump down into the podcast today. We're going to pick up where we left off in a previous uh, podcast. We've been talking about grace, and there's a lot of perversion out there. There's some major twistings, friends. And uh, you say, well, that's nothing new. Well, it is nothing new. But there are like swells of it. You know, these things come around uh, from time to time. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So you're exactly right. This is not a new twisting, but sometimes it gets rebranded and it gets um, uh, reproduced and it gets marketed in such such a, a way where it, it, it can just be right up in your business. And I think that's what we're living into right now. My, my ministry, we, we don't go around uh, picking on everything that we don't like. We don't name call. We don't throw people un, uh, under the bus. But I felt like it was time to give some caution to a grace message that is out there that I think is dangerous. There's some dangerous elements. Now, there's some phenomenal teachings, friends. Wow, there are some uh, profound truths still being ministered uh, that has been divided accurately. The scriptures have been portioned and divided correctly. Um, people have rightly divided the truth, but then there are those that are, um, um, going around with some perversion. And, uh, so we looked at this in Jude. Let's go there. We opened our, uh, last episode on this. We're, we're calling it grace. The teacher, we looked at this last time. Let's go here again. Jude chapter one, verse three, he says, beloved, I was diligent to write to you concerning our common found, uh, common salvation. And I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting, urging, appealing to you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And we said this last uh, in our last episode that uh, there's not new addendums, okay? There are not new additions being added to the gospel. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He once delivered the truth to us. Now, in one sense, our understanding of it may be progressive as we've come off the milk and we're eating the meat of the word, et cetera, faith, the faith, glory, the glory, that progression, but it's not progressive in that it changes with the times or with the whims of, of the, uh, people, uh, the heart is still wicked and the truth came to set us free from that wickedness. And the truth is not progressive in that it's changing over time. And, uh, so, uh, here is a caution 
that we would be aware of a perversion that would seek to say, hey, things are, you know, uh, what he said years ago is not what he's saying now. No, no, no. He's unchanging. He changes not is what he said in the Bible. And it goes on to say in verse four, for certain men have crept in. They've wormed in. They've snuck in unnoticed. And these men were marked out long ago for condemnation. The Bible says these are ungodly men. Watch this. Who turn the grace of our God into lewdness is what the New King James says. Another translation says they pervert the grace into a reason for sexual sin, debauchery, licentiousness, immorality, and lawlessness. And this perversion, it goes on to say, this perversion, this perversion of grace denies the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why it denies the Lord Jesus is because he is the person of grace. Grace is not just uh, writing on paper. Grace is not just an idea. Grace is a person. In John, it says that we beheld his glory and he was the fullness of grace and truth. Grace is a person. Jesus is grace. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is a lot of things. He is the way, the truth, and the life is what the Bible says. All right, so you need to go back and listen to part one. You can catch up to where we're at now. We're going to go a little bit further here and um, uh, just keep keep digging into making sure that we have a perspective of grace that would align with the scriptures. And I guess I could boil it down as this, that one way you'll know that there's a perversion to the what some people say the gospel of grace or the grace message or the teaching of grace this is how you'll know if it's been twisted or perverted if in that same message that there is a provision given to the flesh that would allow for the desire or the lust of the flesh to run rapid with no consequences and i think that is a good way of summarizing what i think this modern grace message has been targeting it's been allowing people to live immoral and um, and say that it has no consequence, that they're forgiven yesterday, they're forgiven today, and anything that they may or may not do, depending on how they feel to that day in, in the future, is covered. Hallelujah. All right, so let's get into this. So we looked at Ephesians 4. Let's, let's go back there, and let's pick up here, because especially in the Amplified, this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 is really good. And you'll see several thoughts here throughout the entire scripture. We're saying that we have a new teacher now. We have a tutor. And that was the one of the main points that I made in the last episode was we were looking at how we were under the tutor of the law. But now that we've been born again, we're no longer under that tutor. But it doesn't mean that we, that we don't have a teacher now. It doesn't mean that we're still not being instructed now. There is a new administration that we are under. Romans says that we're not under law, but we are under something. It said we are under grace. So grace is our teacher now. And here in Ephesians chapter 4, he's saying, Therefore I say, verse 17, he said, I testify in, in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, this is one of the arguments in the twisting of the perversion of grace that makes it easily to discern that it's that it's that it's false <coughs> is that they don't want to hear any restrictions like they say well you're putting law on me well right here he says do not walk like the gentiles walk we'll see this perversion of grace says well 
basically I can do whatever because I'm under grace, you know, and you, and, and you can't put works on me. You know, you can't require me to do something because I'm under grace. Well, he's saying right here, this is Ephesians. This is written to the New Testament believers, those who are righteous through faith. So therefore they're under the administration of grace. Now they're in the household of faith and the, and the high priest of that household is Melchizedek grace himself who met Abraham with covenant elements. Jesus is now our teacher is what he's saying here. He said, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Don't do what the Gentiles do because they're, they're walking according to the futility of their mind. Their understanding has been darkened and they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of, of their heart, because of their unbelief. They've, they're past feeling now and they've given themselves over to lewdness. Remember that word lewdness there? We just read that in Jude. And the perversion of grace, this grace that comes across as mercy or grace that comes across as no, no consequence or grace that comes across as requires no action, no doing from you at all. It gives way to lewdness or licentiousness or debauchery or lawlessness. A perversion of grace says you can throw off all restraint. Well, a lot of people are, are saying, well, any restraint is law. No, we're not talking about external restraint like the law did. We're talking about a restraint of the heart. He's saying if you've learned Christ, you're not going to walk after the ways of the Gentile because they're past feeling. Their hearts are stone. You have a heart of flesh now. And look at this, verse, verse 20. He says, you have not so learned Christ. Christ is teaching you. Christ is tutoring you in the way of new life. It's the laws of the spirit of life. Listen, when you were under, when you weren't born again and uh, under the law, say, uh, because the law still brings people to Christ, the law can't fulfill the promises and um, it can only bring you to a point of death. We looked at that last uh, in our last episode because Moses was faithful over all his house and he had the ministry of the law and he could bring him right up to the border of the promised land, but he couldn't take him in. Only Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus has the ability to bring you in to the promises. Joshua was a type and shadow of a type of savior. Moses was a, a type and shadow of a type of savior, but the law was tutoring you and it made you very aware that you needed to die. <laughs> Hallelujah. That sin brought death in you. But here was the mystery that through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there would be a resurrection unto new life. And that's what you and I have received through Christ Jesus. And now we're no longer under the tutor of the law, but we still need a tutor because we don't, we don't know how to walk out this new life. Well, the tutoring that we're getting is about the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We're no longer under the tutor of the laws of sin and death. We're under a whole new teacher. Grace is our teacher now. And we looked at that verse in Titus chapter two, and we'll look at that again. But he said, you've learned Christ now, Ephesians 4, 21. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, instructed by him, discipled by him, as the truth is in Jesus. And he goes on to say, you put off your formal conduct, 
the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And look at verse 25 here. Like one way you know that this modern grace message is a perversion is if it resists anything that says that you have to do something or you have to work at something. Look at Ephesians 4.25, put away lying. Put away lying. Don't lie, basically. You can't lie and say, oh, it's okay, I'm covered, I'm under grace. Grace just told you don't lie. Don't lie. He's bringing a restraint to the heart, friends. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's go. Let's see, where do, where do we want to go? Let's go to Titus. Let's take a look at that. Let's go into the uh, book of Titus and um, pick up here. Let's see here. Let me find it in my notes. Titus chapter 2. So he says this, For the grace of God that brought salvation appeared to all men. Grace appeared to everybody. Praise God. In verse 12 it says this, teaching. So grace not only saved you, now grace is teaching you something. What is grace teaching you? It is training you, instructing you, discipling you, disciplining you, uh, and teaching us to, to do what? Deny ungodliness. Grace is teaching you that. It's teaching you to deny worldly lusts. Grace is teaching you that. It's, it's teaching you to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Again, we are no longer slaves because we're born again, if you're born again. And we have been delivered out from under the bondage or the slavery of sin, if you're born again. And you'll realize then that the law kept you. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. It kept you until faith could come. It kept you so you didn't die before you were introduced to Jesus and go to hell. Notice how the law still brings people up to the threshold. It's guarding them and protecting them. Thou shalt not kill is protecting a lot of people until they can be introduced to Jesus. So we recognize that the law was good and still is good in that it brings a death and a death in order that there can be a resurrection. Now as sons born again, we're in the household of faith and now even though we're not under law, we are under an administration now. We are under a different ministry. There's a different high priest. It's not the Levites. There's a different high priest. It's Melchizedek. And this high priest, this administration is tutoring us. And the father of the house himself is tutoring us in the ways and in the ministry of life, Zoe life, and in the ways and the ministry of reconciliation. Our tutoring, again, is now in the laws of life and not in the laws of sin and death. We have a new curriculum called grace. We are now under grace at the behest of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, we said this. What is this new curriculum teaching us? And we made this statement that this modern grace message has brought massive confusion to the, to the body of Christ and have deceived many more. 
when they say we are no longer an instructor or laws, a system of do's and don'ts, they fundamentally miss the point of what the law did and is doing. And they fundamentally uh, miss the meaning and definition of grace himself. Jesus is grace himself. He fulfilled the law himself. We are in him and through him, we also fulfill the law. Grace is an empowerment, not a reduction or a lowering of standards. What we couldn't do in the flesh, Christ empowered us from within. And this is what Titus was bringing to us. He said, look, grace is, grace is your new teacher now. And there are laws that grace is revealing to you. They're not laws of sin and death. That's what the law, the, uh, the law under Moses was teaching you. Grace is teaching you about the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we could say this from Titus, that grace is equipping us, training us, discipling us in how to live in and within the household of faith or in and within the kingdom of the son of his love or in and within the kingdom that is comprised of sons or the beloved of the father. Jesus again is our head teacher. He is instructing the body in poise, posture, and protocol. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Now, a popular variant of this modern grace message proposes the idea that doing equates with work. Doing equates with works. And since you cannot be saved by works, they disdain and teach anything that would look or sound like working. Now, we know from the Bible that grace is an empowerment. Grace brought salvation. Grace brought that redemption. Grace is what provided for the new birth. But grace is also revealing to us, once we're in this kingdom, grace is teaching us now about the laws that govern born-again spirits that have the life of the Father within them. Now, Now, I may repeat myself here because I don't want you to miss this. For the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We were being tutored in the laws of sin and death under the law in the Old Testament. That law, just like Moses, brought children of promise up to the border of the full manifestation of promises, yet it can't deliver on that. The law, based on what it was designed to do, is still doing phenomenal work, making people aware of their desperate need of deliverance, fully aware of the sin that is ruling them and the nature that has dominated them. Paul said in Romans 7, we agree that the law is good. So we're not agreeing that, that the law is bad. The difference is you're born again, and so now you don't need that teacher anymore. 
that teacher, that steward, that guardian did what it was supposed to do, and it kept you until you could be introduced to a different ministry or administration, one of faith, one that has to do with the born again being born again. So you don't even have that nature anymore. You are born again. And like a newborn babe, Peter says, you desire now the word of truth so that you may grow. So Jesus now has been instructed to be the headmaster over this new household, this new administration. And he's teaching us about the laws now because you're a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. So there are laws that apply to you now that didn't apply to you before. But now that you're born again, there are a whole new set of laws now that govern your new life. Those laws are the laws of the spirit of life or laws that govern spirits that have Zoe life in them. Now I say it like that because you got to understand how powerful that that is. And to whom much come on is given much is required. And Jesus is a faithful teacher in these things. And we also have a helper in these matters and that's the Holy spirit. God has invested his own nature on the inside of you. Galatians three and four talks about now we're sons. This was the plan all along that the breach in our relationship through the fall of man, that breach would be, uh, there would be a provision, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He would become sin for us. He would be our substitute. And through that sacrifice, through that death, there, the mystery was the resurrection of new life. You and I now have been reconciled to our father. When Jesus came back to the disciples, he said, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit, meaning I've done it. I have, I have, uh, uh, the way has been made now. We have peace with the father. You have been reconciled to the father. You're no longer distant. You have adoption now as sons. So now we're being taught because we had no idea. We weren't seated in this place. We didn't have access to this place. We knew nothing about that place Jesus went to prepare for us. But now because our relationship with the Father has been restored now through death, praise God for the law. Now, because through death and the mystery of resurrection that came out of that, now we have a seat fitted, seated in Christ Jesus, in him we live and move at the right hand of our heavenly father. And now heavenly father has given to us what a gift he has given to us the administration of Melchizedek, who is Jesus to be our tutor in the things that pertain to life. Now, this isn't just, um, you know, uh, the laws that govern spirits that have Zoe in them. This isn't just about, Hey, over here is, um, you know, green grass. And it's not a tour of the heavenlies. Um, let me see how to say this. What we're being instructed is, is, Hey, over here, are some cool trees. Oh, Hey, look over here are some houses. Oh, Hey, look over here is this water. Oh, look, there's an angel what we're being instructed in is not uh, is not a tour of the heavenly realms. 
It's not a tour of the eternal realm. What you and I are being instructed in is the laws that uphold life, friends. And I'm telling you, the perversion of grace, this, this, this perversion of the gospel of grace is trying to rob, I'm telling you, it is devilish, friends. It's trying to rob us by thinking that we can come into this kingdom but yet still live like filth, and it's no big deal. God isn't like, um, what, be, what that is is a detraction from what revelation he's wanting us to bring or wanting to bring us into. And he's wanting to reveal to us how things work in the spirit. And grace is teaching us that. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. So grace isn't just mercy. And that's one of the fundamental flaws with this modern grace message is they're misclassifying grace as mercy. And that is the wrong division that's getting a lot of them into error. All right, let me uh, restate this and we'll go a little bit further here. So again, a popular variant a twisting of this modern grace message proposes the idea that doing equates with works. And since you cannot be saved by works, and we know that, they disdain and teach anything that would look or sound like working. And there is a strain or a perversion of this particular grace revelation that is targeting several things. They're targeting tithing. They say that you no longer need to tithe. Let me tell you why that's so diabolical is because Melchizedek met Abraham 600 years before the ministry of Moses. And you got to understand that in the loins of Abraham was the Levitical priesthood. And Galatians 3 says that the law kept them until faith could come. Before faith came, the law guarded them until they could come to faith. And so that ministry was in the loins of Abraham that would watch over heirs of the promise until they could come to faith. But Melchizedek met Abraham in advance and recognized the promise of God that was within and met him, grace himself, met Abraham, the patriarch of faith, with the covenant elements. And so that ministry was a phenomenal administration. The administration of the law did exactly what it was supposed to do because you and I are in faith now. And, um, what I'm saying, though, is that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Well, they're saying that that's, that is a work. That is a work of the, of, of the law. It's a perversion, friends. It's, I'm telling you, if you go that road, it's going to rob you of the privilege that you have to come face to face. The, only the high priest in the Levitical order like once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. Melchizedek has made way where we come to him face to face. Like Moses, or excuse me, like Abraham met, met, Melchizedek met Abraham with covenant elements and face to face they received covenant elements. Here we have access now to our Melchizedek. Abraham is not a mediator. Abraham is not a mediator. We don't have a mediator now with this administration. It is Jesus himself that is welcoming you and me. And what is he doing? Just like he did with Abraham, he is receiving tithe. And what did the high priest do? The high priest would take that and present it to 
the Lord. Uh, Melchizedek is still receiving tithe and presenting something to the Heavenly Father. Remember what Jehovah said in Leviticus. He said, the tithe is holy unto me. And so he established a administration, a household of faith that would be able to honor him and he would still be able to receive it, but yet there would be no mediator. It would just be us coming before him saying, hallelujah, I present this to you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that he made that way possible. So this modern grace message, one way you know that it's perverted is it says that tithing is a work. It says sowing and reaping is a work. Well, the Lord told Noah hundreds of years before this administration of of the law came in to keep children of promise. He said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. But this modern strain disdains sowing and reaping because they say it's a work and you don't have to work. Jesus did everything. They're saying repentance is a work. You don't have to repent anymore. You don't have to repent. It's like the moment you came to salvation, Jesus Christ, that was a one and done. You don't have to do any more repenting. They're saying that you no longer have to seek forgiveness. Listen, that's a perversion of the gospel or of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just to name a few, but those are the ones that seem to me that some of the most controversial. So look at James 1 22. So if they're saying that doing equates with works, well, what about James 1 22? James, by the way, was the brother of Jesus, uh, meaning he grew up in the same household. Mary was James's mom, uh, son of Joseph. There were other siblings there, although Jesus was the, super, the supernatural brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Born of a virgin. Uh, his earthly adopted father was Joseph. But James grew up with Jesus, and his perspective is very is very neat. And uh, this is what James says. Remember, remember, James grew up with Jesus. James grew up with grace and truth himself. And James says this, be what? Doers of the word and not hearers only, lest you deceive yourselves. And listen, if you discount all doing as works, I'm telling you, you are already well on your way to total deception. 1 John 1, 9, and I picked this out in reference to this idea that you no longer need to seek repentance, like that's somehow a work of the law. 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and he will forgive our sins dismiss our lawlessness and continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything that's not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought, and action. I added the Amplified because I think it, it, it brings uh, some extra thought that, that, that fills out what, I, what is actually being said here. That when we miss it, like uh, if the Lord says go left and you go right, well, we, we would say, man, we totally missed it. Like, we did not obey the unction of the Holy Spirit, giving us guidance, direction, orchestrating our steps. Remember, remember that? His word is a light to our path. Uh, he orchestrates our steps. That um, if we miss it, well, what do we do? Well, we go to him, we say, I, I repent of missing it. You are only trying to help me. You only have my best interest, uh, in, uh, interest in mind. And, and I went 
the wrong direction. Now, under grace, I'm not afraid of a divorce. Remember, we're the bride of Christ. But what did Ephesians 5 say? That his ministry right now cleanses us with a water of washing of his words. And when we miss it, we go to him. The Greek word for repentance is non-emotional. It's actually intellectual. It is a decision to do an about face, to turn away from, opposite from, and to go in another direction. When we miss it, we repent. And he's faithful and just to cleanse that if we come to him in humility. So one of the perversions of grace is said, you don't even have to consider that ever. Listen, well, try that with your spouse. All right, once you try that with your spouse, see, 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 if, that's, see, see if that's an actual, uh, provable, testable reality that you just do whatever you want and there's no consequences to it. Listen, friends, it is such a perversion of what grace is teaching us. Grace is teaching us how to live right. It is not, uh, uh, it is not about sin and death. It is about life. It is about don't do things that bring death. Do things that bring life. Grace is teaching us in those matters. Dangerous doctrines say that you do not need to do this anymore because Christ has already forgiven you for any future sins that you will commit. Listen, he's committed to you. And if you're afraid of divorce, well, the enemy may have a hook in your jaw that is unnecessary. But to say that your actions do not have unintended consequences is a deception, friends. To say that Christ has already forgiven you for any future sins that you will commit and that the action has no bearing or consequences, that is what I'm saying is a perversion. This is but one example of the tone or flavoring that is added in this current modern grace message, at least the one that's off. Again, a fundamental error in the modern grace message is its misclassification or the wrongly applied definition as mercy. Grace is not mercy. Grace is an empowerment. Grace doesn't overlook sin. Grace empowers you to overcome it. Grace isn't just a saving from. It is also an instruction and a how to live according to the life we now have in Christ Jesus. Grace is both the gift of life and the empowering uh, the empowering training of living that life. Now let's look at something here in 1 John chapter 3. Go to 1 John chapter 3. And we want to look at uh, passages in the New Testament, powerful passages in the New Testament that talk about doing, talk about doing as a result of an inward empowerment. Doing as a result of an inward empowerment. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 7. And he starts out, he says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Do not be deceived, friends. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, capital he, Jesus, is righteous. Go down to verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, meaning they're made known, made visible. They're made uh, you, you'll see something here. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, Jesus told us early on, he said, I'll give you this commandment. He said, well, welcome to the administration of grace. Here's one of the major commandments, love. And if you love, you'll fulfill everything. Because if you love, you're not going to murder. If you love, you're not going to cheat on your spouse, et cetera, et cetera. So he's bringing us here. He's saying, look, if there is not uh, uh, visible behavior, if there is not something that is made manifest as far as righteousness is concerned, well, then the other or the opposite will be manifest because there's no vacuums here. He said, you're going to know. And several times throughout the scriptures, he says, how will you know them? Them referring to false teachers, false prophets, false whatever, counterfeits, whatever. He said, you'll know them by, the, by their what? By their fruit, by their fruit. He's saying right here, don't let anybody deceive you. If they're not practicing righteousness, they're not righteous. If they are practicing unrighteousness, they are unrighteous. Now, we're not talking about the one or two times that we were deceived or tempted to come down from our place at the right hand of, of the Father and engage in some sort of dirty stuff. But he's saying, look, if, if you will judge yourself, you won't be judged, meaning recognize what you've done, confess it as sin, repent of it, come to me, come to grace, and receive help in your time of need. And he said, I'll be faithful and just to cleanse you. The blood is still cleansing people. Come on. His word is still washing us and removing filth and stain off of us. But he said, you got to be quick to do that. Listen, there's a problem if you persist in practicing filthiness. Now, again, I'm cautioning that there is a twisting, a doctrine of perversion and lawlessness that says just because someone is doing immoral things or engaging in unrighteous things, it doesn't mean anything. That's, that, that's what this perversion is saying, that God has already forgiven me, and I'm just like you, but yet I can still do these, these unrighteous things. There's lots of pushback on any teaching or standard that requires observable behavior and conduct or anything that would utilize visible and tangible fruit as proof and evidence of an inner transformation. One way you'll be able to discern this false grace message is the pushback on any teaching or standard that requires observable behavior. Listen, friends, that is a telltale sign. If they push back on their fruit being inspected. Listen, that is like a number one, like to me, that is like, okay, whoa, okay. I'm, I'm, you, I'm definitely suspicious. Now, if your fruit cannot be inspected, I, I would be cautious of you. Now, it's not my job necessarily to go around in everybody's business. I'm talking about those that we've been called together uh, maybe they, they've been uh, assigned to us in our ministry. We've been assigned to them. Maybe it's a ministerial alliance. Uh, maybe it's a group of people that God's called you to, your, your own household, uh, your spouse, your children. Listen, everybody is up for inspection. Nobody is allowed to deny inspection. Now, we're not talking about with a critical eye. We're not looking about fault finding. What, what we're saying is we'll know you by your fruit. The evidence of the inward change is observable. That's what he's saying here. 
we're not looking for external restraint because people can hide uh, for a while, right? Extern like they, they can put on restraint for a time, but this is how he said you'll know who a false prophet is, who a false teacher is, because you cannot restrain that indefinitely. If the heart hasn't changed, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart comes the realities. Um, the heart will not produce bad fruit if the heart's good. If the heart's good, the heart will produce good fruit. We're not talking about somebody who, who trips up or stumbles. Uh, there's a provision for that in Galatians where he says, look, restore such, such, such a one. So there, there, that's what forgiveness, that's what repentance is for. Okay. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about, um, you know, somebody who just messed up, but their heart's right. We're talking about somebody who's trying to hide. We're talking about somebody who's not born again and, the, and they're trying to deceive, usurp. This is what false teachers, false prophets do. And he said, they cannot hide that indefinitely. There will be an observable, testable, uh, there will be a fruit demonstrated or manifested that will give away what's going on on the inside. Again, friend, listen, fruit is proof. Fruit is proof. It's okay to be inspected, and it's okay to have that kind of accountability amongst a people that you're called to so that nobody can hide in there. That is a telltale sign. If somebody refuses inspection, there's something going on. This is what he's saying. Because your righteousness there should be a outworking of it. Faith without works is a dead faith. Righteousness that does not have a demonstration is a dead righteousness. It's a false righteousness. It will have a demonstration that will line up with the scriptures. And he tells us exactly how to measure it. If you're born again, you don't lust after women. If you're born again, you don't go murdering people. If you're born again, you don't hate people. In fact, Jesus said, how do you know that you've crossed from death into life? Remember that? He said, this is how you'll know. You'll have a love for the brethren. Strife and division. Now, you can stumble into those things, meaning you can be tempted or seduced into getting into strife. But we're saying it's not going to be a product of the heart. Hallelujah, somebody. It, 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 it'll be a temptation to allow the lust of the flesh in, but you have dominion over that if you'll recognize it and then put that under. All right, let's see here. So, so recognize the pushback. People are saying, no, 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 no. You cannot require observable, observable behavior out of me. Uh, I'm righteous just like you. Well, then we're going to see it. So again, righteousness is not just a way of thinking. It is a seamless and synchronous interaction of, of understanding, but also obedience, action, and doing. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for helping us. John 8, verse 7. We're going to jump right down to the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. They were wanting to stone this woman. Jesus raised himself up and he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Remember this story? 
And look at verse, verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, so they all left. So they recognized, hey, you know what? I've, I've got sin. Jesus said to the woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, watch this. Neither do I condemn you. Now listen, you've got to rightly divide the scriptures. And all scriptures will work together in harmony with other scriptures. There's not a contradiction in the Bible. People mess stuff up when they don't really take the whole of scripture into consideration. Especially when they take a particular passage and then try and bring out a truth or a principle out of it. It'll harmonize. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Because John 3, 17 and 18 said she was condemned already. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world because it was condemned already. Listen, this woman was already condemned. That was not the ministry of grace because he didn't have the administration of the law. The law had already condemned this woman in her sin. It condemns everybody in their sin. That's what the law does. But grace came to bring a deliverance. Grace is what brings the resurrection into new life. Grace did not condemn her. Jesus did not condemn her because she was already condemned. The law, which was good, brought her to this point. Her desperate need to go on into something else, to be reconciled with the Father, her desperate need for the person of grace. But see, people misinterpret this passage and say, look, Jesus didn't make a big deal because the administration of the law already condemned her. John three sixteen, he came that anybody who would believe would have life, not to condemn. The law already did its job and brought condemnation to her. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So here, because she was already condemned, Grace was actually able to, to offer its provision to her. This is the good news of Jesus. The good news isn't, hey, don't worry about sin. You can just keep on sinning. No, no, no. The good news is through death and resurrection, you will be a new creation that's not even, that's so far above the bondages in the nature of sin. So here's, here's, what Jesus offers this, this woman. Grace is offering her salvation. Hey, you're condemned. Now you need to be delivered. Now, he offered salvation to her. I, I, I believe from what we can un understand here, she accepted it. She accepted Jesus as her deliverer. Notice what he tells her, though. This is very important. Grace told this woman, Go and sin no more. Listen, Grace is offering her instruction in the ways of life. Another translation says, go, and from now on, don't do this anymore. Some people are not told that. In fact, they're told the opposite. Hey, you're not under law. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. You're under grace is what they say. And in effect, what they're saying is, you keep on doing what you want to do. Grace didn't stone that woman because she was already condemned. Grace didn't bring condemnation. The law does that. Grace brought your deliverance and freedom from that condemnation. 
So he said, don't do this anymore. Now let's look at another one here. John 5, 14, remember? This is the layman who was near the, uh, or, or, or at the pool that received his healing. Jesus healed him and then walks off. Afterward, Jesus comes back around. Grace himself came looking for the man that was delivered and said to him, notice grace brought deliverance and then comes back around and now is bringing instruction. Notice what grace told this man. See, you have been made well. You've been delivered. You've been saved. You've been set free. He said, watch this. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. Who told that man that? Grace himself said, you've been delivered from this. Now do not go back into that, lest a worse thing comes on you. I'm telling you, the perversion of grace is don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It, it, it is encouraging playing by the fire, friends this false perversion of grace. Grace is empowering you, empowering you to get so far away from the boundaries that you were delivered from. So again, the grace of God saved this woman and the lame man from, but that same grace, the same grace that had the power to save was also telling him and her that the very thing that you've been delivered from is the thing you need to make sure you don't do again. A simple pardon listen to this friends a simple pardon without training and instruction in appropriate behavior will always produce a repeat offender a simple pardon without or devoid of training and instruction in appropriate behavior will only produce a repeat offender now go to romans chapter 8 verse 4 romans 8 4 and it says this The Amplified Bible says, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met, where? In us. In us. A lot of people, well, Jesus fulfilled it. No, no, no. It was met in you too. In the born again you. In the new creation you. In the in him we live and move and have our being you. In the right hand seated at the right hand of the father you. The righteous and just requirements of the law have been met in you, is what it says. Who what? Who live and move in the way, uh, not, excuse me, who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. When you walk in the spirit and not after the flesh, the law is fulfilled. The law can't touch you when you move in him. Our lives are governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by, and it says Holy Spirit, but he's in our spirit. We could easily say say this, that we follow the unction out of our renewed spirit, out of our born-again spirit. Romans 8.1 says this, so now there's no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ, in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now listen, let me give you this, and we'll bring this to a close. Because of the flesh that you still have. You still possess a body that in that body is mortality, meaning natural. And so it's susceptible and it only knows the natural realm. It still has lusts, desires that are contrary to the things of God. And so Romans chapter 8, in the beginning of Romans 8, gives us this very uh, clear uh, way of living. If you walk after the Spirit, if you follow the Spirit, you won't come under the 
laws that govern sin and death, which are unique to the natural realm. If you walk according to the Spirit, you will abide by and have over you and experience the result of the laws of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But if you willfully choose, friends, if you willfully choose to follow after the temptation or the seduction of the flesh, which can be influenced by demon spirits, or it could just be you just start asking your flesh what it wants to do, you will come under the laws that govern that, and those are the laws of sin and death. This is what the provision of repentance is still for. When you find yourself being seduced to come back in and come under the laws of sin and death, your spirit will condemn you. And so you go to the Father and you say, man, I realized I come down to a low, nasty, dirty place, and I'm receiving my cleansing from that. I judge it as sin. I'm judging myself. I judge that as sin. I receive my cleansing by the blood. And I thank you, Father, that you said you would be faithful and just to cleanse me of that, and I receive that cleansing now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping me never to engage in that again. Any teaching that says you don't need to do that is false, friends. And it's a perversion, and it's gonna, you're going to wind up in a place that you don't want to wind up. Well, I think we need to um, bring the podcast to a close. I thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this has helped you. I hope you got something out of this. We've been talking about grace, the teacher. And thank God that he gave us such a great teacher. Hallelujah. You ever think back when you were in high school or college and that teacher that just helped you? Man, I'm telling you, Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. Grace is a phenomenal teacher. Hey, thank, thank you so much for tuning in. If we can help you in any way, several ways you can reach out to us. Specifically, I'm thinking if you need somebody to partner with you in, in prayer, that's something we can definitely do. We can agree with you. We can pray with you. You can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Or call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Hey, I want to say thank you to all of our partners that have contributed in some way to pay for the podcast. I'm telling you, it's been phenomenal. We'll, we are paid up a year in advance. And I want to say thank you for that. You're also making it possible for us to mail these CDs out to whoever, to whoever needs them. If you want to participate in that way, any gift is tax deductible. Several ways that you can give. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you are in the United States, you can text to give 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right, friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.